0: Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker. And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, mark, winning picks, Lawrence. And now,
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, Andy Isco, and Jim Feist as we go against the spread on this week number two in the National Football League, week number three in the NFL, if you can believe it, Victor. Quite a week it was last week in the NFL. We'll get to that in just a moment. What was your take
2: overall, Victor, on the college football side of things last week? Well, Mark, major upsets in college football, including uh, one down there uh, as far as the Crimson Tide goes. For us, over the total betters, a very exciting outcome in the Texas and Alabama game. There was, of course, some upsets in the NFL as well. Um, Overall, we're pleased. Our King Crail service came out of the first combined week with a nice documented six and one record that included two and one in college football totals plays, and we did sweep the board in the NFL over the weekend with a four and zero record in our totals plays of course, with many more unders than overs.
1: It was a big week last week. I know in the NFL for unders, was it the the same way in college football? Do you know?
2: Uh, I've got the numbers, Mark. Since you do mention it, let me paste it up here and grab the specs, and we we might start seeing those unders pouring in in college football. You know, a lot of people were concerned right off the bat that these rule changes would result – in anywhere from, oh, five to eight points less per game in college football. I'll say this, the Friday and Saturday games ended up going 16-30 and one. That's 16 overs, 30 unders, one tie. 65% of all college games went under the total over the weekend. For the year, we're at 45 overs, 53 unders, not so much... uh, 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 A big margin as far as the non-conference games. They've gone 43 and 45 over-under. But it's the same conference games, which have gone very low scoring. There's only been 10 of them thus far through the first couple of weeks. Two overs, eight unders in the conference games. And uh, again, since we're on the subject mark, uh, a right down the middle week in terms of dogs and favorites in college football. Dogs went 22 22 and 2 last week, according to our database. 13 and 13 on the road, 9 and 9 at home, and on the year in college football. Again, it's been split right down the middle 48, 48 at 2 for dogs. Uh, conference dogs, 7 and 3 so far this season, our best profitable angle thus far. And not only that, but teams playing with revenge in college football have come out of the gate smoking in 2023. They've gone 27 and 15 ATS, now 64%. But there you have it, Mark, split down the middle in terms of dogs and favorites, and it was a low-scoring Saturday in the college football, just like it was on Sunday in the NFL. Well,
1: it sounds like the lines makers are doing their job, at least to the over-under total side of things so far in this 2023 football season. What I noticed last week, Victor, when I was logging the scores from the college football games last week, the abundance of mismatched games, power five teams playing FCS opponents. And it's just unbelievable how you see this and you wonder how they get away with this. It just pad their records is all it does. And you have to be very careful when you incorporate stats against teams that are, of a lower echelon like that, you can find a team puts up 600 yards and they allowed hundred that gives them 500 yard nets for the game. Well, well, that's not a true barometer and you have to be very, very careful about what it is you're logging. If you're a statistical guy and you do the stats, uh, what we do when it gets to be college bowl stat time is we take stats and we throw out the games that were not lined football games are uh, normally lined. Uh, what I would call Nevada rotation game. So keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to get, closer and closer out of the month of September. We won't see as many, but don't be uh, overwhelmed or don't be fooled by a team's net stat margin or uh, overall stats, because you have to look inside those stats to see exactly who it is that they played. We're still getting a lot of those mismatches. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole sports and Victor, Uh, What do you say? I'm going to put the word out to Andy Isco in Las Vegas. We'll see if he can join us now. We're going to do our college football game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap this week. It really doesn't get a whole lot better than what we find in the Southeast Conference this week. I love Southeast Conference matchups early in the football season, especially when there's still some fresh revenge in the mind of the players and the teams are still formulating. We've got that when Florida takes on Tennessee in a big SEC showdown
2: this Saturday Victor, how do you see this game shaking out? Right down here in the Sunshine State, Saturday night, uh, nationally televised, ESPN-TV, SCC Conference, 7 o'clock Eastern Tennessee against Florida. Uh, the Vols opened up minus 7.5 on the road. It's come down about a point. The last time I looked, they were down to 6.5 road favorites against Florida. That is their biggest margin on the road in this series of all time. In terms of the over-underline, opened at 57 and a half. There's been a little bit of action coming in on the over. It's gone up a full point to about 58 and a half as we record the podcast here on Wednesday afternoon, Mark. Uh, Tennessee, we, we know what they are. Number one offense in college football last year. Hendon Hooker and the guys, 526 yards per game, 46 points per game. What an offense. Florida. And not so much. They were number 38 in offense last year at 424 yards per game and uh, just under uh, 30 points per game for the Florida Gators. This season, Tennessee has come out one and one over under thus far. They did go over in that uh, first game of the season against Virginia, and they went under in last week's uh, FCS game against Austin P. and the Gators also come in at one and one over under on the season they went under in their first game of the season the road game against uh, utah and then they went over in last week's fcs game against McNeese state as far as the series goes mark uh three of the last four meetings have indeed gone under the total between these two teams however we got to talk about last year's game it had an over-under line of 62 the game was played in tennessee the final score was a big-time quarterback shootout between Hennon Hooker and Anthony Richardson. The final score was 38-3. to The Vols won the game. The over cashed by nine points. And number one, the first thing Mark touched on in the top of the show is, is apparent right now as we dissect this game, and that is that with all these FBS versus FCS games, A lot of the stats don't really mean a heck of a lot, and I know it's only week three, but nobody's running a faster pace right now than Josh Heupel's volunteer offense. They're checking in at 19.1 seconds per play on offense, and again, this is going to be one of the better offenses in college football again in 2023. Of course, Joe Milton is the new man for the Vols at the quarterback position. He holds a very good uh, adjusted completion percentage of 75% in his two starts. He's been with the program since 2021. Uh, He did start the final two games of the season last year after Hendon Hooker, of course, you know, went down with that ACL injury. Um, And he pretty much lit up Clemson in the Orange Bowl game, throwing for three touchdowns while averaging a very impressive 9.0 yards for passing attempt and being in Josh Heupel system now for the third year in a row should pretty much be a huge benefit for Milton. And I really don't see much of a massive drop off from Booker to him. Now on the flip side, we got a transfer coming in for the Florida Gators, former Wisconsin starter Graham Mertz is the uh, taking over the starting quarterback duties for Florida Now, his opening game against Utah looked bad as far as the eye test goes, but it wasn't as bad as it seemed. He went 31 for 44 in that game for 333 yards, a decent 7.8 yards per passing attempt. Not only that, but he drove – he he led the Gators to Utah's 40-yard line or inside five different times in that game – But Florida only came away with 10 points in those five drives. With that said, Mark, we can probably expect a positive points regression this week for the Gators. Now, I know defensively that, you know, Tennessee, they got a ton of depth across their front seven. But their secondary has been a bit of an issue. Uh, In 2022, they ranked 60th in the EPA and pass allowed coverages. Now, I know they were outstanding against the FCS transfer quarterback in the opener against Virginia, but we'll see how they fare against a quality quarterback in Mertz. My database models have this game finishing right in the neighborhood of about 63 to 65 total points. Based on the current line of 58 and a half, uh, we'll call it a two-star but strong opinion On the over. Now, again, I know the conference games have gone under at an 80% rate thus far. This is one of those games where the worm starts to turn. It should be a lot of fun on Saturday night. And as it is right now, we'll recommend an opinion on the Gators and the Volunteers over the total.
1: Victor's opinion in the football game to go over the total in this football contest before I get to my side in the game, I want to welcome in Andy Iskar, a good friend from the logical in Las Vegas to get Andy's take on this football game. And Andy, I know you put together a terrific newsletter. What was your take that the logical approach took in this big showdown game between the fouls and the Gators?
3: Well, Mark, I, uh, actually took a look at this game and uh, can't ignore the tremendous history that uh, Florida has in this series, dating back really to the start of the decade. Now, coach Napier uh, took over for Dan Mullen. He's in his second season uh, with the uh, Gators. He's already started to improve the overall fortunes of a uh, Florida program that was among the, the elite programs in college football for the first half of uh, the first decade of this century. And even though the Vols won last year's game 38-33, uh, as Victor alluded to, Florida's dominated the series. In fact, in the last uh, 6 meetings, Florida 5 and 1 straight up, 4 and 2 against the spread, 16 and 2 straight up, 12 and 6 against the spread since 2005. Now, Tennessee did start 8 and 0 in 2022, but the quarterback injury that Victor mentioned ended their hopes of an SEC title and are uh, in somewhat of a reloading role this season the elite programs major programs don't really rebuild as much as they reload and i think that's the situation with tennessee uh, this year uh, richardson the florida quarterback from last year is now playing in the nfl but former wisconsin quarterback mertz now the starter should find more success in the uh, Napier program. That's a bit more pass happy uh, than the ground and pound philosophy uh, that uh, he endured with the, uh, uh, with the Badgers. You know, both teams have non-conference games up next against lesser foes. So neither should be caught uh, looking ahead. This is Tennessee's first true road game. They did have I think the opener against Virginia was played, I want to say Nashville, but somewhere in Tennessee. Uh, First road games are always a challenge when integrating new starters into the offense, such as the case with Tennessee. Wouldn't be shocked by Florida's history and pedigree. I've got them winning this game straight up, so the points are a bonus.
1: And he likes the points in this football game. It sounds like he'll even put a little bit on the money line in the contest as well. I, I agree with Andy in this contest here is got a Tennessee football team that the, the whole world or the whole country loves. They're an exciting team. You know, they put up points, they're high scoring football games. People just can't get enough of the teams like this. they will be a marquee team for people to watch this weekend. What I'm a little bit concerned about though is a couple of points. Number one, in their Southeast conference opening game of the year, the last six years, they're only one and five to the spread. They're a bit of a slow starter when it comes to Southeast Conference play getting out of the gate. And that kind of ties into their record in road openers. You go back the last 14 years, they've only covered the spread three times. So it is indeed a slow-starting Vols football team that we're used to seeing here in the month of September. Uh, We've also got uh, in that, that number, they've covered three of those 14 times. When the opponent has revenge, like Florida does, They've been there six times, and they've lost the money all six times to those avenging teams in their road-opening football games. I don't like the fact that they're uh, just one and six to the spread when they come off of an FCS opponent. I call that playing touch football when you play those guys. Not real football, but touch football. Look at the Florida Gator side of this football contest here. Like Andy mentioned, the real strong series history. They've cashed five of the last six times in the series. They lost in that track meet last year, as Victor mentioned, 38-33. They both put up over 500 yards in the contest here, and it was also a, a game in which Florida allowed a – or gained, I should say, a season-high 596 yards in the game, yet come away a loser in the contest here. I think that's a big, meaningful revenge chip for a team like this. And the other thing, what reason that I get to the game is this. Billy Napier, who was a big-time hire by the Gators when they brought them here, brought them here out of uh, UL, uh, Louisiana – He is terrific in his career as an underdog. He's been there 23 times. He's gone 17-6 and to the spread. He's been a home underdog three times, people, and he's won the game straight up all three times. This is where upsets occur in football games like this, guys. You can mark it down, take Florida plus the points for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And also our good friend Andy Isco is joining us as well. I want to remind our listeners before I bring Jim Feist in here, we're going to do our NFL game of the week. We always want to know what Jim has his feel on the National Football League. We've got a dandy on tap to discuss with you next. But I want to remind our listeners out there that my good friends at uwager.lv have a special 200% sign-up bonus for listeners of this show. All you need to do is log on at uwager.lv, that's Y-O-U, wager.lv. use the promo code playbook for your up to 200% discount, and while you're there, also ask them about 5% juice on Fridays. You heard me right. All members at uwager.lv get 5% juice when they make their wagers on Fridays. You can play your whole card on Friday and save the juice for the weekend football games. Check it out online at uwager.lv. Dot L-V. With that, let's move over to our National Football League game of the weekend. I want to welcome in your Jim Feist from uh, Las Vegas as well. Jim, how are you doing in Vegas these days? Well, I'm doing pretty well,
0: except for uh, it's kind of allergy day today. We had a lot of rain the last couple of weeks, and and everything's in bloom, and that is not good for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're just like my wife. (laughs) I could tell when when it's allergy season. I don't I don't have it, but I could tell just by how many Kleenex she goes through.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple boxes right here. Well, there you (laughs) go.
1: (laughs) Hey, with that, uh, I'm going to hand this off to Victor King first for our big. uh, We're going to tear this game down here. We're going to a big AFC East Division battle when Miami takes on New England, a matchup of two teams off a disappointing opposite results last week before i get to jim Feist take on the game victor how do you see the over under shaking out in this contest
2: well first mark uh, we're going to be getting to our uh, you know king creole over under segment a little later in the show i encourage you to listen as we review nfl week one from a totals perspective and we take a preview of week two action as well but you know we kind of talked about it last week if you're gonna be betting over unders in nfl week one bet more unders and overs. That's what happened. Only four of the 16 games went over the total. 12 of them ended up going under the total. I didn't think we'd get any lower scoring than last year when week one went five and 11 over under, only 42.8 points per game. But guess what? We we did it last weekend. Four and 12 over under week one action. Only 41.0 combined points per game. In pro football, man, guys, there was a lot of rust in pro <laughs> football to start the season. And there was some ugly offense, I gotta tell you. Uh, or was it very, very good defense? I'm not quite sure, you know, which one it was, but I'll say this: uh, 23 out of 32 teams allowed 350 or less yards on defense in week one, 17 teams out of 32 allowed less than 300 total yards of offense. As I mentioned in the in the chip sheet, it was a choppy, clunky, chippy first week in the NFL. We hope you bet more unders and overs. For those of you who joined us for our only over of the weekend, we want to thank you. We were on the Dolphins and the Chargers over the total of 51 points in that late afternoon game. You saw what happened, very very exciting. Both teams Up and down the field, big-time shootout, final score 36-34. to We've got one more over this week in the NFL, and that will be up at the Playbook website, and uh, probably sometime by about Thursday morning. Now, with that said, we are taking a look for our NFL game of the week. Again, we're uh, another South Florida team. This time they'll be on the road, and it's the Miami Dolphins on the road against New England. In the Sunday night game, AFC East Conference, eight twenty Eastern, NBC TV Dolphins favored on the road by just under a field goal. I'm seeing minus twos, uh, some minus two and a halves out there as well. The over underline opened at 44 and a half. Uh, they're taking money on the over in this game. It's at 46 and a half to 47 now that we record the podcast. Now, your knee-jerk bettors out there, they're going to want to, of course, climb aboard the Dolphins over the total bandwagon. Based on last week's 70-point shootout uh, in uh, L.A. against the Chargers, to those square bettors, I say hold your horses, please. Remember, remember what defensive genius Bill Belichick did last week. He completely shut down one of the best offenses in the NFL. We're talking about the mighty Philadelphia Eagles. They only had 251 total offensive yards against the Patriots. Only one offensive touchdown and four field goals. Now, we always, this is a division game. We got to talk about the series history between these two teams. Two and four over under, two overs, four unders in the last six meetings. More important, the average uh, points per game, only 37.8. Here's the fascinating part of this series uh, as of late, as far as the over-under go. The first meeting of the season, when the Dolphins play the Patriots, have gone a perfect 0-5 over-under in the last five years, only 36.0 combined points per game. It is the second meeting of the season that's been the high-scoring one as four out of the last five second meetings have gone over the total and with a very high average of 51.4 points per game. Obviously, this is week two. It's the first meeting of the season. So one more thing, guys. Two key low-scoring aspects apply in this game, and it is literally forcing us to go low or pass if you like the over. Those two aspects, number one, the high percentage of unders in the NFL in primetime games over the last two years. Remember last week, week one, Thursday night game under the total, Sunday night game under the total, Monday night game under the total. With that said, now, since the start of last season, NFL primetime night games have now gone 19 and 37 over under. That's wow. 67% under the total. The night games, there's value on the under in these games. Not only that, but sharp OU betters are probably aware that we talked about it last week, NFL games in which the road team is favored have gone under at a very high percentage again, since the start of last year, NFL games in which the road team is favored have gone 34 and 73 over under. That's 70% under the total including an even better nine and 25 over under in same division play like the Dolphins and the Patriots and 10 and 37 over under when the road team is favored by a field goal or less guys, as mentioned earlier, the line opened at 44 and a half it's up to 46 and a half or 47 with the line going up slightly. We can hold off. We can bide our time a little bit before pulling that trigger. Track the OU line move as we get closer to the weekend. If you see the OU line going down at all, make your move. At a line of 46.5 or higher, I would rate this as a normal three-star King Creole play on the under. And there's a very good chance that we'll be using the under as one of our game-day service plays as well. Value on the under. Dolphins-Patriots under. Uh, Another Sunday night, primetime, low-scoring outcome.
1: Nice overview from Victor King on that big football game between Miami and New England this weekend. And, Jim, before I bring you in for your your perspective on this football game, I want to ask you this question here. Victor's doing a lot of what uh, I find to be quite successful when it comes to handicapping, and that's really returning to the mean. And you find a, a game in the NFL that had as many points scored last week as the Dolphins did against the Chargers Ends up being the the one total that everybody wants to get to the next week. And like Victor says, you flip it around, you take the value, and you go under the total. Do you like that way of thinking, Jim?
0: And congratulations, Victor. That was an excellent uh, recap of that. Or I shouldn't say recap analysis of that game. I don't. I don't know how after anybody listening to that, how anybody could go out and bet this thing over. <laughs> 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 Do that unless they're just totally contrarian. The, the, by the way, the line. Which you didn't mention, it's 46 and a half, but it's the favorite is the over because it's minus 11, minus 13, minus 18. So it's going to 47. And right. if, anybody, if anybody doesn't see the 47 ever wait, show up, they could easily buy it to, to 47 and bet it under. It's definitely. And the other thing is, you know, Miami played and I'm not a big Brandon Staley fan. Miami put up a lot of points excellent offense. There's no question about it. Uh, but Staley's a supposedly a, a defensive genius. <laughs> uh, I think out of San Francisco, but he hasn't been a de- defensive genius since he's been with the Chargers at all. <laughs> and, and they're a mess. It, it, but uh, you know, the, the one thing Miami did last week is they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. Now, I, I know damn well that Bill Belichick doesn't want his quarterback, Mac Jones, throwing the ball over 50 times. Yeah. He's going to want to control the ball on the ground. He knows what he's going up against. He knows he's going up against a more talented team with a very good coach that can put up a lot of points if you give them that kind of opportunity. So he's going to want to keep the ball away from them. So the way I, I'm just looking at it that way, with all, all the facts that you added to that, it's a strong – It's a strong underplay just from the mechanics of the two teams.
1: I believe so, too. Uh, Just the way the game sets up, what it did last week, and fundamentally the way they play the two football games. Uh, My take on the game, before I turn it back to Jim here, is what happened to the Patriots last week was, I think, sacrilegious. It was unbelievable. They completely dominated the Eagles in the the yardage wars. Uh, They went 382 to 251 yards they just frittered away a lot of opportunities and lost the game late as a four point dog. They lose by five. It's like, get the gun loaded. You know what I mean? And I know that's exactly how Bill Belichick felt after the football game as well. Uh, So now he's going to take on the Tua Tyreek Freak show this week, as Victor says, his high scoring offense here. And what will Bill Belichick do to get ready for the football game? You know, he'll have a football team ready for this football game. Look at the Dolphins, uh, coming into the football contest here, they're going into New England. New England's 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread at home when coming off a home loss. You don't find them losing back-to-back home games too many times, and especially feeling as discouraged as they did last week when they know they outplayed Philadelphia, probably should have won the game, and heavens knows at least cashed that ticket. But they didn't do that, uh, so they have to come back and make amends this week. You look at Miami and that high-flying act that they've got, they're just 4-15 and 15 to the spread When they're coming off a road game, 0-6 to the spread, taking on a division opponent when coming off a road game here. I think this is a kind of a nice spot coming back for Bill Belichick in this particular football game. He'll be ready for Miami this particular week. Uh, I don't know what the opening line before the season began was. I should have checked that in the Playbook uh, Preview magazine. But now he's the home underdog here, and he's done really well as a home underdog. As we know, he's been a good dog throughout his career. I'm going to grab him plus the points. Any other follow-up on that, Jim? Yes. Uh,
0: it, it was two and a half minus 08 at the opener. And it's now two, it's now three minus 08, three minus 09. So this is actually heading north. So there's value easily. You could buy, you, you want to buy off three and take three and a half. You could because you're getting a cheaper price on, <laughs> on the number because a lot of these are oh. 105 lines that i'm looking at so uh, that's pretty significant so taking three taking three with the home team and betting the under and you might easily get 47 uh,
1: looks like a pretty good uh, parlay between those two bets andy isco uh, your take on this this is a big football game it's big for miami just simply from the standpoint that this is a, a division opponent and if they lose this game, they're going to be two games behind Miami after two games are played. And, you know, with this uh, nondescript offense that New England has here, that might be a, too big of a hole for them to get out of here. And I think Bill Belichick really realizes just that. Andy, uh, what's your take on this contest?
3: I, I think Miami's big play offense may ultimately be the deciding factor, especially as you get deeper into the game and the, the both teams start to wear down a little bit. So uh, I think You know, Miami deserves to be favored. And certainly at less than a field goal, I wouldn't uh, uh, be all that uncomfortable playing the the Dolphins uh, to uh, get the win, despite the fact. Yeah, I, I wonder how much Bill Belichick, how. Uh, over the years, how much he still puts into, you know, the 22 hour days getting prepared for specific opponents. It seems that we've seen a steady decline with the uh, Patriots over the last few years in the, uh, post, uh, Brady area where uh, era, when, uh, you'd expect certain things out of Bill Belichick, uh, and they just haven't materialized. And I'm not going to say that that's due to not having Brady around, but maybe it's just, uh, and I'm not gonna, I don't wanna accuse Belichick of becoming complacent, but it's part of the aging process. You're not as sharp, you can't work as much as you did when you were, you know. 30 years younger and just getting started to make a name for yourself mm. in the profession. So uh, I'm a little concerned about that especially with the momentum that Miami has uh, and the fact that they've done well uh, you know for most of the uh, the 2000s New England's dominated the uh, the rival but Miami's had the I think uh, I think they've they're 4 and 1 straight up in the last uh, 5 against the Patriots uh, 5 and 0 oh against the spread. I think the one game that they didn't to win outright was last year at the end of the season when they ended up uh, covering uh, at uh, at New England. Uh, Um, But I want to go back to something that Victor talked about, and I'm sure that uh, I think Victor used the term the sharp OU players are aware of a lot of the uh, stats that Victor uh, so accurately detailed as far as the unders in the situation with road teams, et cetera, primetime games. I'm wondering if this might not be one of those setup games where the big syndicates come in early and they play the over, wait for the public to follow. And what better situation than you have with a uh, a team last week in Miami that led the league with 8.3 yards per play, 466 passing yards allowed points to uh, uh, a chargers team that has a potent offense. It's all the ingredients for the public to, overreact to what they saw last so let's help the public overreact a little bit more by playing the lineup at some point they'll come back with the serious money and play what they wanted to initially and that is let's look for a low scoring game but now we go under a total that's three to four points higher than where it was in fact uh, you know we're going to talk do the the line segment i was going to bring it up the uh, westgate continues to put out those Advanced lines, not the ones that they put out over the summer back in July and took you know, action on, but the ones that occur about 10 days before the, uh, the game is to be played. So, for example, for week two, they put the lines out, the bettable lines out uh, 10 days earlier, which would have been the Tuesday before last week, the Tuesday right after Labor Day, but before week one was uh, uh, played. The total for this game was 45. So uh-huh. people could have bet the over or under 45 uh, as, as far back uh, as, as a week ago uh, Tuesday. And so I think that that set up a perfect scenario for to see what we've seen increasingly over the years. And that's, I guess, what they call them fakes or setups or maybe some other term for it, where the sharp money comes in, realizing the public is going to follow those moves and then come back and hit the line, uh, whether it be uh, uh, the side, the side point spread or the total come back the way that they initially wanted to. But say thank you, public, for giving us more value in the number.
1: Well, you know, the way Victor broke the game down was excellent. And, you know, what you like most when it comes to handicapping a game is you do your handicapping, you do your work, you get your side in the football game, and then you look up and what have you got? you got value in it. You you didn't do it because there was value. You did your handicap, and then you looked at the game and you you see nothing but value in the football game. That's where you want to be. That's a real nice feeling. So let's see if uh, if this doesn't all pan out for us this week with uh, this New England football game to go under. I'll be taking the points in the football contest, and uh, I think I know where Jim Feist is going to go with this football game as well. Probably a little bit of both about what we talked about in those two sides: the Patriots and the under in the football contest. You're, Andy, I'm going to uh, bring you in right now for you, what you pre-recorded. For uh, you did the you mentioned about the contest lines, and uh, Andy's doing a pre-record on these for our shows here. Uh, it's a condensed version of what the contest lines and the situations are all about. We're going to find out exactly uh, how many people were in this contest and exactly what happened after week one. So if you would, Greg, you want to roll any segment for previewing the big contest lines in Las Vegas.
3: Yes, Mark. And uh, here's some information. We finally have the results of, Uh, what has been a record-setting year, certainly over at Circa as far as uh, the number of entries made, but I'll start first with a recap, as we have in the past, of the one college uh, and uh, NFL contest. That's the one the ultimate challenge by the Golden Nugget combines uh, college and pro football selections. Contestants uh, enter with a $1,000 entry fee. They uh, select seven games a week, NFL sides, college sides, from basically the entire board, whatever is up at the Golden Nugget at the time that the Contest lines are released at uh, approximately 2 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays. Uh, this contest attracted 153 total entries, and uh, that uh, uh, is uh, roughly in the range of what they've had the past couple of years. The uh, number of entrants that had a uh, perfect week last week, picking 7-0, there weren't any. Seven of the entries, however, did go 6-1, and 1, and 19 of the entries did go 5-2. and 2 and uh, you can go to the uh, golden nugget las vegas website to see the selections uh, each uh, week when they are posted uh, i believe they're posted either late night friday or early on saturday i'll look into that and see if i can get some more specific information about that and uh, now we'll go on to the uh, the two major contests actually there are three sponsored by two of the major properties in las vegas so that's the long time standing westgate super contest also the super contest gold uh which is a five thousand dollar entry fee winner take all and the regular super contest which is a one thousand dollar entry fee and uh, uh, that pays 20 places but there are a multitude of 11 in total in season contests so uh, many opportunities to cash without having to have an outstanding 18 week season again this is a contest um, but they're identical the super contest and super contest gold um the uh contestants select five plays per week all nfl sides no totals uh this year entries were down somewhat they had about 1600 last year in the regular super contest they uh dropped this year only 1301 entries so it's going to be a smaller prize pool that's divided up amongst the top 20 finishers that get paid in this contest and as a matter of fact uh The uh, total uh, for the first place finisher, slightly over $206,000 for the contestant of the 1,301 entries, who ends up having the best record over the 90 selections that will be made over the 18-week NFL season. Uh, The structure that the Westgate has used this year, I believe they used it last year as well, is that the guaranteed part of the prize pool comes out for the uh, mini-contest. They have two nine-week contests, three six-week contests, and six three-week contests that uh, works out to a little bit over eight hundred thousand dollars in guaranteed money, and the prize pool, which uh, with no rake this year consists of one million three hundred one thousand dollars. Uh, after the eight hundred ten thousand comes out, that's the amount that gets uh, uh, paid out to the top twenty finishers plus ties, based upon a percentage, and that percentage works out to just over two hundred six thousand dollars for the winner of this year's contest. As I mentioned, thirteen hundred and one entries. We normally take a look at the consensus of the top five plays to sort of get a sense of uh, how the field has done over the past week and opening week with a number of upsets, but the contest uh, had uh, a lot of uh, winners this week uh, at the Super Contest. The main contest, 46 contestants went 5-0 and in fact, the top seven selections were all winners in the Westgate Super Contest this week. Uh, The most popular play this week in the Super Contest, uh, the Cleveland Browns, uh, they were plus two and a half in their home contest against state rival Cincinnati. And of course the Browns won that game uh, very comfortably. And uh, there were 498 contestants who were on the Cleveland Browns uh, for the first of the uh, five consensus, seven overall winners. Pittsburgh uh, was close behind. Uh, They of course pulled a nice little uh, 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 poor effort in, uh, their home loss, their one-sided home loss to uh, uh, to San Francisco, so that was a losing selection. So I, I misspoke before we did have uh, uh, that one loser in there for the uh, top five selections. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the third most popular pick, and they pulled the outright upset of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, plus three against New Orleans. They came back to make it a one-point game. It's where it ended, so Tennessee covered as the fourth most popular selection. The uh, fifth most popular selection, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they were favored in their home game against uh, uh, the Indian, in, in, sorry, in their road game at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they uh, won by 10, laying a five point number to the Colts. The uh, number seven uh, selection, uh, the New York Jets. Uh, did I do the number six here? The. Uh, Yeah, the number number six selection, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they covered as a slight favorite against the New England Patriots, laying three and a half in the contest. They won that game by five up in Foxborough. Number seven on Monday night, the New York Jets were able to overcome, at least for this game, the uh, loss of Aaron Rodgers on his fourth snap of the season, his first as a New York Jet. Uh, They were a uh, fashionable underdog against the Buffalo Bills, catching two and a half points. And of course, uh, uh, for most of the folks who watched that game, who stayed up late to see the punt return in overtime, Uh, the Jets were an outright winner. And then even after that, the next winner, the uh, Washington Commanders, uh, were uh, the uh, eighth most popular selection, and they failed to cover their seven-point spread in their uh, 20 to 16 win over Arizona. So I did misspeak. The consensus was four and one, but of the top seven selections, six of them came through for the uh, Westgate 46 people. Again, a perfect five and zero to open the season. Uh, did not uh, take a close look at the uh, c- gold contest uh, contest this week. Only 92 contestants. That's a little bit more, I believe than they had last year. I think they had 88 last year with a prize pool of 440,000 of the winner. Take all, uh, uh, entry uh this year that's up to 460,000 with four additional entries i'll have more on that contest uh next week finally we get to the grand, what is now the granddaddy of all the contests and those are the two contests uh sponsored by uh the circa uh hotel and casino here in las vegas the um circa millions contest this is the fifth season and it has quickly overtaken the super contest as the most popular five pick contest uh, here in nevada Uh, they guaranteed a six million dollar prize pool split up amongst quarterly contests and the full 18-week season contest Uh, they uh, needed 6,000 entries to fully fund the guarantee portion of that contest last year they also had a six million dollar guarantee they uh, had about a million and a half a million point four overlay in that contest as they only had about 4,600 entries they did not reach the guarantee this season but a late spurt of entries 5,274 entries out of the 6,000 needed Uh, so a $726,000 overlay for the uh, circa uh, millions contest Uh, that's a record-setting entry again about 20 percent more than they had in their record-setting 2022 season Uh, here the uh, uh, the top selections uh, were Uh, Also very successful this week, although uh, they did have, uh, well, let me just just go down. The um, most popular selection also, the Cleveland Browns, 1963 of the 5,200 entrants were on the Cleveland Browns, and uh, that was a a winning selection. The uh, second most popular selection, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers they lost they had almost as many 1944 entries so the top two selection split however when you go down the uh, uh the rest of the field the number th- three selection uh, was the um jacksonville jaguars laying that uh, number at uh, indianapolis uh, a little over 1,350 contestants on that one. That was a winning selection. The Atlanta Falcons, the number four most popular selection, with uh, just over 1,150 uh, contestants or entries selecting that one. That was a winner. And then their second loser was also the Washington Commanders, uh, who had uh, a little bit over 1,100 selections, and they failed to cover in their win against the Arizona uh, Cardinals. Uh did not was not able to tally up the number of perfect entries in the uh, uh con and the uh, circa million so I'll uh, get that all settled up and provide that information next week but the contest that everyone wants to know about is the circus survivor that uh, guaranteed an 8 million dollar uh payday for the winner take all $1000 entry fee could turn into 8 million dollars either alone or split with other individuals uh if they are the last person to have a uh, a live entry in the contest. Uh, they needed 8,000 and they blew past that number. 9,267 entries uh, in the survivor contest. Uh, pretty good week overall, but some significant losses. The most popular uh, selection uh, in the contest, uh, the Washington Commanders had over 3,500 uh, contestants pick Washington. Remember, in this contest, no point spreads involved, just pick the straight-up winner of the game, and Washington did win their game against Arizona, so 3,549 entrants specifically advanced. The second most popular uh, selection uh, was the uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, the most popular uh, selection this week in the Circus Survivor Contest, and remember, this is the contest where you just pick the straight-up winner, no point spreads involved, and I mentioned 9,267 entries, so A little bit over 9.2 million dollars awaiting the surviving entry, the final survivor in this contest. Most popular entry uh, this week in the contest was the Washington Commanders. 3,549 contestants picked the Commanders to win. They advanced with their win, their home win over Arizona the second most popular uh, selection this week the baltimore ravens 2985 contestants went with the ravens who uh, got by the uh, houston texans to advance as well the third most popular selection however did not advance and that was the minnesota vikings 1044 1044 picked the vikings and they were eliminated when they were upset at home by tampa bay and the fourth most popular selection this week was also a home favorite that lost outright the seattle seahawks 600 contestants exactly or 600 entries exactly were on the seattle seahawks and they were eliminated the uh, fifth most popular uh, selection uh, this past week was the um, atlanta falcons 349 contestants advanced with atlanta's win over carolina overall 1,992 contestants were eliminated uh, this week out of the 9,267 entries, leaving a total of 7,275 entries uh, that advanced to week two. So the field uh, paired by uh, almost uh, – uh, about 20% of the field, a little bit uh, uh, right around 20%. Uh, surprisingly, 31 entries did not even submit a pick for week one. That's hard to imagine, but it does happen from time to time. But that's an outstanding number. You would have expected maybe two or three uh, of the entries perhaps didn't get submitted in time or, or somehow uh, were, were not able to be put in. Uh, what is interesting, and we'll see, we won't see numbers like this In future weeks, 30 of the 32 NFL teams had at least uh, two two entries select them to win. The two teams that did not, well, the field was smart in avoiding the New York Giants. Nobody selected the New York Giants out of the 9,267 entries. The other team, a little bit of surprise, even though it was a very competitive football game and turned out to be the most exciting, most entertaining game of the week between two evenly matched teams, that's evidenced if only by the fact that the home team was a three-point favorite, which basically suggests on a neutral field these teams would be would be pick them. The Miami Dolphins, who came from behind late to beat the Los Angeles Chargers, two contestants, uh, or I'm sorry, no contestants had the Dolphins compared to uh, 740 uh, contestants, who, it should be 30 contestants, who went with the Chargers over the Dolphins? So, what was a competitively priced game, a competitively played game? Miami was one only, was one of only two teams that did not have any support this week as far as uh, uh, winning straight up. I don't think we'll see Miami not receive any respect like they did this week. Uh, in future weeks, the Dolphins certainly appear to be one of the legitimate contenders in the NFL. And so, with that, I'll uh, send it back to Mark for. Uh, Uh, the next part of our podcast and uh, next week we'll uh, have some more information on the contest, including some information on how the uh, listeners and uh, the viewers uh, can view more detailed information on the contest that I cover each week.
1: Great job. Once again, by Andy Isco with a preview of what's going on in the major contests in Las Vegas, each and every week And Andy, as you do each and every week on the show, any major line moves that perhaps we should be concerned about in the NFL this week?
3: Well, yes, Mark. And, of course, week two often presents the greatest adjustment as the public. Even though we warned them not to overreact, they still do react. But the bookmakers also do a little bit of reaction in anticipation. So there were quite a number of moves this week. But I'll touch upon a few of the uh, more interesting moves. Now, of course, uh, uh, we saw uh, Detroit upset Kansas City on Thursday night. This week they host the Seattle Seahawks, who uh, got blasted as nearly a touchdown home favorite against the Rams. Now, I mentioned the – earlier about the uh the the 10-day advance lines at the westgate well last tuesday right after labor day the lions were a three-point home favorite against uh seattle and when the uh uh, result of that game came in uh detroit was moved up to a four-point favorite uh since then and after the uh the seattle loss the line went up as high as six and while we record this uh, podcast it's uh, down a tick to five and a half for the lions from what was three just uh uh, Ten days prior to what will be the kickoff in uh, in that game, uh, another move that is somewhat of a uh, not totally a surprise, but the. Uh The Buffalo Bills, the advance line as they host the Raiders this week off of uh, Las Vegas' upset win at Denver, they were a a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. And after Sunday's action, they opened as a ten-point home favorite. And then after the uh, Monday night uh, uh, situation with uh, their game against the Jets, there was no reaction uh, for Buffalo. The game went back to nine and then back to ten up to as high as where it is now nine and a half. So it'll be interesting. If you like, uh, if you like the Raiders in this game, there should be some tens available. If you like uh, Buffalo, there should be some nines available. So uh, you can uh, go either way in uh, that one. Kansas city's uh, loss uh, at, to Detroit did really not affect uh, much of the line at all. The advanced line had Kansas City a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite at Jacksonville uh, after the uh, weekend's actions where Jacksonville won at Indianapolis, and of course on Thursday the Chiefs lost at home to Detroit. They did open the Chiefs up slightly lower at two-point favorites. It's since gone up to as high as three-and-a-half. Uh, with uh, Kansas City that's an important crossing of the number three uh, going up against a competitive Jacksonville team uh, that played them well in the playoffs last year Uh, it'll be interesting on this game because you've got an improved Jacksonville team and the Chiefs looking to avoid their first 0-2 start under Andy Reid since 2014 which was Andy Reid's second season as coach of the Chiefs and they actually came back and ended up 9-7 but didn't make the playoffs uh, that year uh, I will take a look at the uh, game between the 49ers and the Rams. The 49ers were six point uh, road favorites uh, in the uh, advance line uh, after Sunday's action. I guess the uh, Seattle Rams game was still going on, probably uh, close to around halftime when the Westgate put their lines out, open six and a half. And uh, uh, despite the fact that the Rams had that impressive victory, this line has been up to the 49ers an eight point road favorite against their uh, division uh, rival uh the uh, other one of note i mentioned the miami uh Game with the total as far as forty-five prior to uh, uh, the the movement that we saw early in the week. But I'll take a look at the game between Dallas and the uh, New York Jets. Uh, the advance line had the Cowboys a three-point favorite. If you recall, uh, much was expected of the Jets, not just Aaron Rodgers, but also uh, the defensive uh, improvement and the personnel on this Jets team, which really, uh, with Rodgers in there, had one of the more talented teams, although uh, relatively inexperienced, with the exception of, of Rodgers. After uh, the Sunday night game in which Dallas blew the uh, New York Giants out, that advanced line of, of three went up to three and a half, just a slight a bit of uh, of movement, but then heading into Monday night, they take the game off the board while the uh, jets and the bills were playing. And Jim touched upon it. Uh, I think during one of our uh, uh, off uh, offline uh, conversations, uh, they usually don't make a huge adjustment or nearly as much of an adjustment mm-hmm. that they should. And even though he's a 39 year old quarterback, the absence of, Uh, of of Aaron Rodgers due to the season-ending Achilles injury. When that line came up on Tuesday morning, Dallas was a nine-point favorite, so up five-and-a-half from – it had uh, been posted after the uh, uh, Giants game on Sunday night. Uh, we've seen this line actually go down a little bit to eight and a half and back up to nine. So it looks as though we're probably looking at not quite a double digit favorite for a game that was uh, uh, that was basically a field goal game. So depending upon your point of view, if you think that uh, maybe the lines makers in the past were correct in making only a slight adjustment rather than a huge adjustment that they made, I think trying to remember there's one other game. I think it had to do with Brett Favre and the Packers one day where they did make this big, an adjustment but usually they don't uh we'll find out if the lines makers were ahead of the curve or maybe what used to work for 20 years with the smaller adjustments may have been the way to work this year
1: excellent insight from andy Yisco with the line moves that have taken place or will take place in the national football league this season and i want to remind our listeners out there that if you want to check out all of what's going on in the national football league jim feist does outstanding videos he's done two or three previews this week You can check out Jim's What Happened Last Week in the National Football League to get you ready this week. Check it out at playbooksports.com. You can go directly to Jim's page at pb.buzz forward slash jf. That's pb.buzz forward slash jf for all of Jim Feist's videos. And, Jim, before I let you go, I know you had a comment. Uh, You wanted to say something about that Monday night football game and what it's likely to mean to the National Football League this season.
0: Well, you know, just as a – I'm not a, necessarily a Rodgers fan, but I do respect the overwhelming talent that he had his whole career. But the Jets lost a lot when when he went down. I know they won the game, but that wasn't the issue for them going forward. I mean, all the all – the, everything, the city loved him, the Jet fans loved him. The, the, if people were saying this is a team that could go to the Super Bowl well their defense is strong enough to me that they could go to the Super Bowl with an offense that that would, would stick with it But and with Rodgers they might have had that the problem is and I like to draw this little analogy and I hope I have the time to do this when Brady left New England he went to Tampa Bay with an offensive head coach and an offensive line that actually was pretty darn good. That was a good selection by him because he didn't want to get all banged up. When Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay, he chose, he could have chose to go just about anywhere, but he, he chose to go to the Jets, a defensive head coach, which is difficult to work with sometimes. And an offensive line that was absolutely horrendous for the last decade. So now he gets in the game, he lasts four plays, and it's very unfortunate what happened to him and the Jets and the entire New York City and all the AFL and, you know, the AFC and the NFL overall because it changes everything. Now this team definitely is the number four team in their division. They're not going to be talked about going to the Super Bowl. They're not going to be talked about winning the conference. unless They'd have to do it with their off, with their defense now, Zach Wilson has potential, but he didn't show it last year, and he really didn't show it in that game that they won the other night. They managed the game, the defense and special teams won the game for them. He's going to have to really grow up fast, and Aaron Rodgers mentoring him really was helping him, and Aaron really took him under his under his wing to do that. So. This is really a major issue uh, and shows what happens when you put too much stock in one player, 39 years old, bad offensive line, turns 40 in December. Really, should you be making that type of investment? And they did, and it didn't work out very well. Now, going forward, you look at this game. I mean, Dallas has a defense that might be the best in the whole league. Maybe you could say San Francisco, but Dallas is right there. One or two best defenses in the league. Now they're going to go up against an offensive line that is absolutely horrendous against a young quarterback who has not really shined in the two years he's been there. And the line reflects it. I expect this line to go over 10 before it closes. And I think rightfully so. And when you look at the total, this is very interesting and uh, you talk about totals Victor knows how to how to answer this better than anybody the total goes from 45 to 38 38 and a half right now and the line is going up so obviously there's a bet out there and the, the team bet would be the Jets under their total
2: right the Jets under their team total that is correct it's, it's interesting you you uh mention that game guys because you know in this uh weekly, Playbook sponsored a wise guy contest. Contestants get their lines sometime on Monday, and they have to submit their plays then. I believe it's by uh, Tuesday at six o'clock Eastern time. But still, we're utilizing Monday's lines
1: statically. It stays the same, right?
2: Right, right. Now the Monday line that I got in the game for the Packers. And I'm sorry, for the Jets and the Cowboys, was 45 and a half. Obviously, the lines came out before any of the Monday night games were even played. So, Jim, based on a line of 45 and a half, I used (laughs) the under in the Jets-Cowboys game as my two-star wise guy best bet of the week. And why not? It's down to 39 now. You just got six free points of line value. It's unfortunate that it occurred on a Monday night game, but uh, hey, that's my wise guy, two-star play of the week, under 45 and a half in a game that's now down to 39.
1: Wow, these free picks are just pouring out everywhere, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's terrific stuff. Uh before I hand it over to Victor and he's going to do a, uh, he did a little uh, bit of a report on the national football league week one review and a week two preview. Victor's going to talk about Jim. I want to thank you once again for all your insight on the show this week. I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of luck this week. And we'll look forward to doing it again next week here on Mark. Thank Lawrence. you guys. I appreciate being on. Thank you. Thank you. That was Jim Feist joining us from Las Vegas, a living legend in Las Vegas. We'd love having him on the show with us every week, this football season. And with that, Greg, if you would, that review preview from Victor, if you will.
2: Hi again, everybody. It is Victor King, uh, the over-under guy at Playbook. Of course, our website, playbooksports.com. And I'm also the creator and the author of the Playbook Totals tip sheet newsletter. It is the only newsletter in the entire country. That's devoted exclusively to NFL over-under wagering. We help you get a handle on the totals plays in the NFL. Each week's issue is available on Wednesday morning for just $11. We've got a brand new one that just came out this morning. Again, check it out at our website at playbook.com. We're going to take a few minutes to uh, review a little bit of what happened in NFL week number one. We'll take a quick look here at NFL week number two this upcoming weekend. And if time permits, we'll throw in a quick free play as well, a totals play. Again, last week's magic number in the NFL, 41.0. That's how many average points were scored in the 16 NFL games last week. And NFL unders ruled the roost in week one. That basically says it all. Uh, It started, of course, with the under the total in the Thursday night opener between the Lions and the Chiefs, and it concluded with low scoring outcomes in the primetime games, the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter as well. When the smoke cleared last week, 75% of all games ended up going under the total. It was the lowest scoring week one output in the last six years. And if you read last week's tip sheet, We anticipated this as well. So it is the defenses that are certainly ahead of the curve here as we start the 2023 season. Last week, an amazing 23 out of 32 teams allowed less than 350 or less yards on defense. And 17 out of 32 teams allowed less than 300 total yards on defense. Defense is ruled. It was a pretty choppy, clunky opening week. And there you have it. This low-scoring statistic appears basically to be a, a, a new byproduct product of the current preseason philosophy. And this is a mindset in which impactful offensive players either sit out the entire preseason or, at the very, very least, they only play one or two actual series in a given exhibition game. It's very, very hard for offenses to get any sort of a flow or a tempo when your quarterbacks, your running backs, your tight ends, your wide receivers can't get even on the same page until week one. Again, we certainly hope all readers of the tip sheet made it point to bet on some unders occasionally. You're not going to profit in the NFL betting on overs alone. Uh, Again, I understand that betting on unders in the NFL and then watching the game on TV can be excruciatingly painful because what are you rooting for when you're watching an under on TV? A lot of punts, a field position game, a chess match between two opposing head coaches. Uh, Some people call it gambling torture when they bet on an under and then watch the full three-hour game on television. But with that said, no one ever claimed (laughs) that profiting in football had to be fun. And again, if you bet the unders last week in the NFL, you went 12-4 and and your bankroll is a lot bigger right now. Again, week one is in the books. Four games went over, 12 went under. Uh, I didn't think you would get any lower than last season's week one results when there were five overs, 11 unders, only 42.1 points per game. But believe it or not, it happened last week. Four overs, 12 unders, only 41.0 points per game. There were only three games out of 16 that had more than 45 total points. The Jaguars and the Colts, the Packers and the Bears, and the Dolphins and the Chargers. And in that last game, I do want to thank everybody who joined us as we only had one over ourselves from our King Creole game day service, the selections that we release at playbooksports.com on game day. And that over was indeed in the Dolphins and the Chargers game. We want to thank everybody who joined us for our over of the week winner in the NFL. In fact, our King Creole service had a really, really nice opening weekend, two and one in college football totals on Saturday. 4-0 four and zero in NFL totals on Sunday and Monday, a nice six and one week overall. And again, our King Creole selections always available at the playbook.sports website. Um, week two is coming up. The average over underline right now, according to the 16 games, is a low forty three point5 points. We want to be especially careful this week. It could be very, very volatile. I say that because last year, um, week two games went five overs, 10 unders at 67% under the total. However, in the previous two years, 2021 and 2020, 11 and five over under and 11 and five over under, and then finally back four years ago, 2019, three overs, 13 unders again, just in the last four years alone, week two has been a very, very volatile week. Yes. We're going to be betting more unders and overs like we did last week. And again, if you're looking for our top-rated over-the-total in the NFL for week two, it'll be available at the PlaybookSports.com website uh, on Thursday morning. Check it out. If you joined us for the Dolphins Chargers over last week, we've got another over-the-total winner for you this week in the NFL. And with that said, i got a minute here, guys. I'm going to throw in a free play, and we're going to be going to the Monday night game there's two of them this week, actually. Carolina versus New Orleans and Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. We're going under in the Saints and Panthers game. Now, I say that because we've got the intersection here, or we're basically at the intersection of two fantastic under-the-total situations. Those situations are, first off, the primetime games are on a massive underrun, with last week's primetime games going a perfect 0-3 over-under. That's zero overs, three unders. We are now at 19 and 37 over under in the last two years for all NFL primetime night games. That's 19 overs, 37 unders, and we're not backing away. We're going to play one of those primetime games under the total on Monday night. Saints and Panthers were right around 40 points in the game right now. The second part of our little under the total uh, intersection here is the fact that when the road team has been favored in NFL games, they've gone under at a very high percentage in the last two seasons. And guess who's favored of this one? The road team, the New Orleans Saints, favored by two and a half to three. So, we've got the intersection of great unders on uh, in the primetime games and great unders when the road team is favored. This game has both of those systems applied to it not only that, the last 14 Monday night games in which the road team was favored, like this one, have now gone a perfect 0-14 and over the last two and a half seasons. That's your free play for this week. Saints and Panthers under the total. And again, don't forget to join King Creole for our over of the week in the NFL. We've got a good one. I'm licking our chops. This one goes over the total. It will be available at the playbooksports.com website as of Thursday morning. We're done for week two. We'll check out with you again week three. That'll be a Wednesday sometime next week. And in the meantime, let's make sure we get back to the Mark Lawrence against the spread podcast. Best of luck to you in week two.
1: Once again, an excellent job by Victor King with his review preview of last week and this week in the National Football League. And what happened? Another free pick from Victor King. Unbelievable on that Panther-Saints football game. So hope you have your pens and pencils ready this particular week, guys, because it's loaded with nothing but a lot of great winning information. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show, being brought to you by my good friends at uwager.lv. That's uwager.lv, where – Also, all subscribers to Uwager.lv are eligible for a 5% rebate bonus on your losses. That's right. You heard me right. 5% rebate, up to 5% rebate on your losses. You can check that out along with their 5% juice on Fridays, all online at Uwager.lv. With that, let's move over to my awesome angle of the week on the show this week. I got a beauty on tap this week, and I love the way it's made up here. I call it Not So Fast, My Friend. A little bit of a Lee Corso thing here, but uh, nonetheless, what we're going to do is to play against any 2-0 college football road favorite who opened the season with point spread wins in both of their football games. Now they're in game three, and they're taking on a winless opponent. So it looks like for all intents and purposes, you've got a team that's on a major roll here against a team that's struggling right out of the gate. And what do you got here? Lots of value, guys. It's also regression to the meantime in football games like this. You go back in my database here, there's only been 10 occurrences, if you will, in situations like this. But nine of those tickets have cashed by playing against those teams. We've got one such guy on tap this week. I'm going to say against Liberty, not so fast, my friend. They're the guy that's opened up 2-0 Suats. They're playing winless Buffalo. We'll make our play in the Buffalo Bulls for awesome angle play on the football show this week. And now with that, Victor, it's time to turn it over to you, uh, I don't know what your team total of is it going to be a team total that you're going to share with our listeners out there, but you need another free one Victor, if you will.
2: Well, what I'm going to do, Mark, is I'm going to go into the tip sheet here and I'm just going to add a little bit of more fuel to the fire in regards to this game that we just talked about in that segment. And that's the saints and the Panthers game under the total. Obviously we mentioned the low scoring tendencies in the primetime games. Obviously, We mentioned the the low-scoring tendencies when the road team is favored, and the Saints currently are favored in that particular game. Not only that, but, hey, let's take a look at this uh, uh, Saints-Panthers series. The last five games in this series have gone a perfect 0-5 to the under. Zero overs, five unders. The average over-underline, 42.1. Average combined points, only 30.8. It's an average over under margin in this series of minus 11.3 points per game. So I know you're concerned the line's only 40. but heck, look at the margin. These guys could, could, could very well combine for a you know final score of 17 to 14 and the game still goes under by nine points. And of course with the host Panthers off a uh, ugly opening week loss to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I'll close with this one here uh, from the database again. This is a 9 and 29 over under situation. All NFL underdogs off a double digit division road loss in which they scored 10 or less. That applies to the Panthers. They lost on the road against division rival Atlanta 24 to 10 last week. So they are active in that 9 and 29 over under situation. Just a little bit more fuel to the fire. We're playing the Sunday night game under. We're also playing one of the two Monday night games under the total.
1: Great information once again from Victor King from King Creole Sports. He's won a lot of under here early on in the football season, the opening month of September. And you know why, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning of the football season, before I get to my free pick on the show this week, I want to hand it off to Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas and encourage all our listeners to get a hold of his newsletter. It's a terrific read, TheLogicalApproach.com. Check it out. Andy, what have you got in mind for your complimentary play this week?
3: Well, I'm going to go, Mark, to uh, one of the interesting games we sort of uh, touched upon earlier, and that's uh, the game Seattle uh, getting five and a half, six points uh, at Detroit this week. Of course, Detroit does have extra rest following the last Thursday upset of Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's, uh, excuse me, Detroit's high-powered offense was largely kept in check, and a case can be made that the Chiefs lost the game as much as the Lions won it. Uh, Seattle was ambushed by a division rival Rams, a team that that I, I think it may have touched upon a couple of weeks ago. I expect to bounce back from last year's ugly decline that followed their Super Bowl win the previous season, dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, trailing 13-7 to on the road at the half, The Rams totally shut down the Seahawks, outscoring them 23-0 in the second half of the game, holding Seattle's offense for the entire game to just 180 total yards, which is 3.9 per play. Uh, that may not augur all that well for Detroit because despite the potent offense the Lions defense is still a weakness last year they ranked last in defensive yards per play Seattle should have some success with the running game which will allow the passing game to be more productive both the running and passing game uh, was invisible last week against the uh, uh against the Rams now Seattle has consistently been a winning franchise and coach Carroll's Uh, nearly 14 years on the sideline this is uh, season 14 for carol Uh, now the question is can detroit handle the role of being the hunted this year and being able to follow up their opening week upset win the number seems to be a bit high especially when you consider we've only had a one game sample for uh, the 2023 season Uh, detroit did about uh, as well as you could be expected with a road upset win over the defending Super Bowl champs and Seattle laid about as big an egg as possible at home in losing outright to the uh, Rams. Uh, is, Is this line too high? Often that's borne out by such favorites winning, but failing to win by more than the number. I see that occurring in this game. I see Detroit winning, but by just 27, 24 staying within the number of five and a half or six.
1: You can read more about that particular play in this week's playbook football newsletter as well. We concur with Andy on the Seattle Seahawks for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, once again, a great job as always. And we're going to look forward to doing it again next week here. When you join us, on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
3: I'll look forward to it, Mark. I wish uh, all of our participants and all of our viewers uh, the best of success this weekend, both on Saturday in the colleges and Thursday, Sunday, Monday, in the pros.
1: Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas. And I'm going to, share with you my complimentary play on the football card this weekend. This will be our final segment on the show. Before I get to it, I want to remind our listeners out there that I'm featuring my college football underdog game of the month. It's always a live dog that I see winning the game straight up. Sometimes we call it WTF wrong team favorite in a football game like this. You can get it all part of a $99 football weekend of winners, including all my college and NFL plays. Check it out at playbooksports.com or give my office a call toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card, I'm going to go to the NFL this Sunday and take a look at a rather nondescript football game, but it might be nondescript, but that doesn't mean there's a lot of value in the football game because there's tons of it in this particular game. We're going to go down to Tampa Bay and fade the Tampa Bay Bucks when they lay points against the Chicago Bears this week. And what we have here is a matchup of two teams coming in opposite Direction results, directional results, what happened last week. You find the Tampa Bay Bucks won in an upset last week, but were thoroughly out-yarded in the football game, yet they're laying points, changing roles. The Chicago Bears got beat as a favorite last week, and here they go on the road now taking points in a football contest like this. You take a look at what Tampa hasn't done at home, and that's cover the spread. Their last eight games at Raymond James Stadium, they're only one in seven against the spread, I love the value in this football game here. It's not that I'm enthralled with Chicago. I just love the situation. I like to put tape over the names of these teams. When I find these situations, I'll tape out the name of the Chicago Bears and just play them. We'll play the Chicago Bears plus the points for my complimentary play on the show this week. That's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King for another outstanding job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com and the legend himself, Jim Feist, joining us from Las Vegas with his savvy intake on the National Football League card. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence, reminding to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>